We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. This is a short intro and it really shouldn't be so difficult to do. For some reason I'm getting my words mixed up and jumbled around. Let's try again. And welcome back to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is the post-Liverpool game, a slightly delayed podcast due to technical problems. In today's show, um, Elliot will be talking to Paul, as James is not around today, um, about the game, about what went right and what went wrong. Yeah, we managed to get a point. Uh, could have had all three if Aaron Ramsey's goal stood. Could have had zero after our first half where we gave away a lot of chances and we didn't take any chances ourselves. So it was a very strange game. Our bad start to the season unfortunately continues. Yeah, it's the same as last season really. We didn't, we didn't start well last season and there were clear reasons for that. We don't seem to have those reasons this season. There's no change of system. There's no players coming back late from the World Cup. You know, there's no injury problems on the whole. So, quite unfortunate, quite disappointing. But, you know, there's a lot more to come from this team, as we know. I'm hoping we start to improve quickly because we know what we're capable of. So, anyway, I'm going to hand you over to the guys and let them talk about the game. And we'll be back after the Newcastle game. All that and more on this edition of the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We're coming to you a little later than normal because, well, frankly, we did the pod already. We did it with James. We did it with Paul. We did it with me to the extent that I'm actually a present and sentient participator in the podcast. 
and then we didn't record it. So it was a lovely uh, down at the pub discussion that will be consigned to history, but no one will ever know about it. And now James thinks, oh, I have to do a dissertation. That's really important. So no, James, I have a baby, but he has to do a dissertation. Whatever. It's fine. It's going to be me and Paul. We're going to rip through this real quick because there's hardly anything to discuss, right? It's just Arsenal. And then uh, we'll be back with our regular scheduled program next week. So thanks for putting up with us. We are technically uh, incompetent. I should say I am technically incompetent because I'm the one who didn't record it. Anyway, let's get to the business at hand. First of all, Paul Posnan in my pants on Twitter, an excellent blog uh, recently, and he always writes some good stuff. I think it's fair to say uh, in no particularly scheduled time frame, but when it comes out, it's worth looking for. Paul, good to talk to you. Thank you very much, Elliot. I sense some veiled backhanded criticism there, but I'm going to let it go. No, 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 no backhanded criticism. It just, it's fair to say that you don't do a regular release of the, of the blog, right? Is I it don't. In fact, originally my, my blog and Twitter handle was he blogs when he wants to. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Okay. So no, no veiled criticism at all. When, when I'm criticizing you, I won't veil it. I assure you. Um, okay, good stuff. So it's Arsenal nil, Liverpool nil, and since we're doing this a little later, I'm not going to go through every single bit of the game with you because it's been done to death. Everyone knows Ramsey had a goal disallowed, which was crucial. I want to get more into performances and takeaways. So first things first, obviously, Callum Chambers and Gabrielle starting together was not what we would have wanted in a big game. And something that we didn't talk about in the pod that doesn't exist that I kind of wanted to ask you is, to what extent did we play poorly in that first half as opposed to the center back pairing destabilizing our play so much that we struggled to really um, come to grips with that? Um, that's an interesting question. Because I, I, I probably just need to, about a good 15 minutes to actually get my... Yeah. Yeah. I, so I watched the game again. Right. And, and the thing I noticed about the first half is most of the things we did poorly had to do with a, a sense of instability in the back or Chambers giving the ball away or Gabrielle, who had a, a rocky first 30 minutes or so, not not getting the ball right and the midfield not seeming to know where to collect from the back. And so, you know, I, it kind of led me to think, and we were poor in the first half, I'm not trying yeah. to cover that, but how much of that do you think was down to that center back pairing versus just not performing well? Well, the other factor you have to take into it, and we didn't cover this in the pod, so this is good stuff. Well done, Elliot. And Thanks. Is, Fresh it wasn't up. just we upset our centre-back pairing. You know, yeah, <laughs> Per wasn't there. Now, I know all sorts of people have all sorts of different different opinions on Per, but we changed two things. We we had Per not there, and he distributes from the back a lot of the time. Now, think of where all our trouble came from, in large part. it was The, the other factor was, if you look at Crystal Palace, uh, Cockland started on the right of midfield, Santi was on the left. In this game, for whatever reasons, I'm sure there's a logic to it, probably because he's the better distributor, ironically. Santi was on the right. Um, and so you had those two differences where Santi was maybe trying to overplay things in Per's absence or something. But, you know, it wasn't just the fact that Chambers kept bollocking it up. So did Be Bellerin, so did Cazorla. Uh, sometimes they'd compound their errors of one guy would screw up his clearance or his pass out and Cazorla picks it up and then plays us into more trouble the next thing Benteke's through on goal. So our, most of our problems to me stem from that bottom right-hand corner with mm -hmm. those three players. Um, that said, um, I too <laughs> re-watched the game. I was, 
uh, I got more credentials than you because I'm actually on my third rewatching. Uh, how how, how can you even do that to yourself? My my friend Tim sent me um two Arsenal bibs as a, a gift for the birth of my baby, and I, I texted him, "Thank you." Now she and I both have something to watch when Arsenal make us feel like we're going to vomit. Or something to wear. So, yeah, a third watching <laughs> okay. of that is really really um uh, masochistic. Yeah, well, you know, it's about developing your inner grit. But, but so a couple of checkpoints for you, kind of a neutral that we all respect. Adrian Clark is on the Arsenal player for this commentary. And at about 21 minutes, he is lauding Arsenal's performance overall in terms of the speed of passing all through that first period, you know, how we're building momentum. On about 25 minutes, he's pulling his hair out because these compounding errors are suddenly turning the game. So had we not done all that shit and continued as we started although it wasn't perfect and it's not like he he was saying liverpool didn't have their chances they most certainly did and they you know they were they were still going to be dangerous either way on the counter but had we not been right royally bollocksing up in that bottom corner um as we stopped doing in the second half, and maybe they lost some intensity in the second half deliberately, or they ran out of steam, or they pulled back. But, you know, you can rewrite games to your heart's content, but I think there's a strong case for saying that bottom right-hand corner of our performance, uh, Ram, you know, you also had the factor that Ramsey was doing just as he did in Crystal Palace game of spending a bit of time on the right, but mainly swinging around the left to do... Uh, one twos, triangles, overloads, and runs with his mate uh, Ozil and uh, and Sanchez and Monreal. You'll you'll see the pa passing combinations. Those are the biggest passing combinations with Cazorla. And as bad as Cazorla was going backwards, he was that good going forward. There's two or three just delicious balls he puts through in the first 20 minutes. And for one or two other chances that were almost as tasty, I'm pretty darn sure it was him for Ramsey. I should know at this stage. I haven't watched it for a third time. So, you know, that's my strongest feeling on the game. There's lots you can take out of it, but if we don't keep giving it away in that bottom right-hand corner, especially after about 20 minutes, we've done it before that in the 20 minutes, but it really starts to compound and ruin our momentum from there on, and we start playing catch-up at that point. Yeah, I think that's right. I, look, ultimately, the, as weird as it sounds, because we are a team that has struggled with um, our defending in the past, but I'm not super worried about our, our defense. I mean, we finally saw Czech do what we bought Czech to do and had the goal that was disallowed been given, he would have won us three points. Now, you could say we didn't deserve the three points in that game on the balance of play, but that's not how it works. The, the whole point is you get a goal, and then if you have a world-class goalkeeper, they can win you points you'd otherwise drop. And that's what Czech did. But because the goal wasn't allowed, he won us one point instead of three points. So I'm not saying on the balance of play we deserved three points, but we did get a very good goal that should have been the winner thanks to Czech's performance. And so at the back, I'm not as worried. Let me ask you just one question, though, with respect to Callum Chambers so and Gabrielle. We're not going to have Koscielny potentially for a little bit, and Mertesacker hopefully will be back after illness for Newcastle away. But first of all, if we had to continue without both of our starting center backs, would you consider sitting 
Chambers out? And also, what what's your evaluation of Gabriel? Because I think he's more the the more immediate future hope at center back as opposed to Chambers, who, if he ever gets there, is certainly a lot further away. Well, it sounds like Purr is coming back based on a couple of things I read, so I'm hoping we'll be okay. Uh, but in the doomsday scenario, I'm, I'm certainly okay with Gabriel. Um, I think he got s- stronger as it went on. I mean, he did, he, even though he looked a little shaky early on, uh, it gave him a chance to show his speed and recovery. I mean, what you could see was Chambers and Gabriel were playing different systems. One was holding the line and one was running with runners. So we got, got ourselves... Uh, betwixt and between a couple of times, which I think really called us out. And we, we settled down a bit after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're that nervous, I think you just go with what comes most natural. And they both did. And what came most natural to the two of them were two different things. One one likes to play the all side uh, from, from having that experience. And the other one wanted to run with the runners. So in terms of what would I do with Chambers going forward? Would I play him? Um, I mean, we backed him. And he came good in the second half. I don't think he had nearly as much work to do to test that out fully. I think you'd stick with him. Um, you might stick with do Chambers? something different in front of him. In, yeah. Really? You, you, you wouldn't do something different Nacho, in front Nacho of him. or Debushi and, and taking Chambers out of the firing line after, after you know, what was arguably I, – I mean, I think he, he probably should have and was fortunate uh, not to be subbed a, at halftime. Yeah, well, you know, uh, there's a strong argument for it, but here's another way to go. You do something other than having Ramsey on the right wing, which is a whole other can of worms, but you have choices there. Um, Or you keep him on the right wing instead and don't give him license to swing left. And you don't have Santi in front of him, or alternatively, Santi plays better. Um, But you could switch Coquelin in front of Chambers and give him a bit more, bit more protection, mm-hmm. which we did a little bit more as the game went on. So I think you have choices. Certainly you could go either way on it. I mean, with Bellerin, we backed him, but I guess he had a game or two off before uh, he came back from his his roasting in the Champions League against Dortmund, I believe it was. Um, so you could go either way, but I, he did get stronger and... You know, it's Newcastle. Um, to be fair to Liverpool, they did a really good job at targeting that corner. I mean, Coutinho was superb from the left-hand side. Uh, his movement, I mean, you got to mm-hmm. give him some credit too in terms of the trouble he got us in. We, we like to slag him off, but his movement is excellent. On, the, on that first move where he clatters the crossbar, I mean, you can talk about who should have been picking him up, but look at how he suddenly changes direction and pace. You know, he may not be... Comparisons with Ozil are silly, but there are some things he does particularly well as a player. So... I, I, look, I'll either just... Way. Yeah, I, no, I probably roll the dice on Chambers. But see, I don't, I don't see the benefit of it because I, I think, again, thanks to the start we've had, we're in a get-every-point-we-can mode. I mean, you're always in that mode, but... <clears throat> you know, we can't we can't be dropping points. And he's not ready. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying he's not ready. The thing people seem to forget is we bought him from Southampton and what little playing he had done there was always as a fullback. He had never been a center back. 
The notion that he's a center back is based on how he looks, but certainly not based on what he's done in the past. He's not a center back. He's a right back. Um, does that mean he can can never be a center back? No. But you're basically throwing a, a what is he? Twenty year old? Nineteen year old? Do we know? Do we know? Is it possible to even know his age? Is there any machine we uh, could use that can check that? Um, yes, it's called the Jack Blackburn Georgia Rager. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, you know, I mean, we're throwing this young guy to the wolves, and we're doing it. Why? I don't know because we I we have where you're going, but that means moving Monreal, who's one of our best and most consistent performers on the left, and creating, you know. Don't don't get me wrong. I love Gibbs, so I'm not too worried on that one. But with moving moving him into the left hand side, so now Gabriel has to switch to the right, which is doable. Um, or you bring in Debushi, who's struggling for full 90 minutes match fitness. Now he might be all right at centre back, but you know he's a bit of a wild card at centre back, never having played with Gabriel. And, and I think the thing that maybe tells me one more more one way than another is we talk about them not having played and Chambers not having played, but he's played a lot in training and somewhat in preseason partnered with Gabriel. That's, That's probably the normal partnering. That's fair. And the other two haven't. They would have last season leading into the, the, uh, the full season because we knew we were short of center back, but they probably have left all that shit behind them and will be in a state of, of quivering shock. If they if they suddenly find out they're going to be placed in a centre back when you know all thoughts are to nailing down a full back starting position for both of them. So yeah, I, look, I, let's, go either way. let's get off the centre backs. But but I mean I I disagree. Just that I I don't I don't think we can risk playing Chambers right now. That's just me. Um, I think also yeah. the risk reward of Gibbs at the left back versus the risk reward of Chambers at centre back. I I don't see. Chambers isn't going to be a starting center back for Arsenal this season regularly and probably not next season and maybe not ever. We'll see, but he's got time on his side. There's no benefit to rushing him. And, you know, the other thing is he clearly does not look comfortable with the ball at his feet from center back. I mean, he, he did not know where to play the ball. And, and that is very, very problematic for us because we need our center backs to play the ball out from the back and, and play passes that not, you know, especially with Coughlin who's not someone who's really going to receive the ball and start the attack. We need even more from our center backs when they have it. So I wouldn't go there. I think everyone's really, really hyped up on Gabriel. I, or Gabrielle, I would just say my concern with him is two things. He loves to leave his feet to make a tackle and it looks great and it gets people fired up when someone lunges in and makes it. But ultimately you prefer a center back who stays on his feet to tackle. And one thing Murtisacker is excellent at his positioning is usually good. I mean, we've when he when he gets it wrong, it's really bad because he has no recovery pace. So he's had to be intelligent, but he commits very few fouls, picks up very few cards. I think when some of these tricky, dribbly, wide players and and midfielders figure out that Gabriel always goes to ground, you risk seeing a lot of yellow cards, a lot of penalties given away. I think he needs to learn to stay on his feet better. And I'm also not totally convinced by his positioning. I think he, he's got that Russia blood style, that Vermalen step up style, as opposed to, um, you know, playing the, the safer positioning and letting everything happen in front of you. So, you know, there was one play, might have been who hit the woodwork uh, on, a, on a through ball? Was that Coutinho? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a ball played in behind Gabriel who had stepped up. Um, but anyway, 
Let's move on a little further up the pitch for a minute. Coughlin is a lightning rod for some people. I, I know, obviously, I've been one of those guys who said, I think we need better. I thought he was absolutely Herculean, magnificent against Liverpool in the first half. But you can't get away from the fact that when we're chasing a goal, the manager still takes him off versus a, a Mikel Arteta who basically was never removed from a game, whether we were up two goals or down two goals um, or level or up one goal or up three goals or down four goals or down one goal. You get the idea. Anyway, um, there were a lot of articles about Coughlin, uh, interestingly, this week. There was one on Grantland, which is absolutely worth checking out. There was one on uh, zonal marking. And Gary Neville kind of talked about it on Monday Night Football. Let me ask you this, Paul. Is is Francis Coughlin a victim of a system that that doesn't necessarily work for his skill set? I mean, when we're sitting compact and he can stay in front of the, and shield the back four and sit in front of the back four like we did against um, City away last year, that's where he can shine. When we want to have possession and keep the ball in the opposition half and press and play aggressively, that's where he really struggles. And so interestingly, he looks great in games where we're on the back foot, but maybe part of the reason why we're on the back foot. And the thing I thought that was interesting about the Grantland article is it pointed out that Arsenal leaves so much space between the midfield and the back four and pushes the fullbacks up so high that no defensive midfielder can look good trying to fill that space. So to you, is the, is the system the problem? Is it Coughlin doesn't fit the system? Do you think, well, I know you love Francis Coughlin, but what's your take on, on his performance in this game and how he fits the way we want to play? I love Francis Coughlin's performances more than Coughlin. Um, so here's what I say uh, on Coughlin. I, if, if our team was nearing perfection, nearing the zenith of Wenger's vision, maybe Coquelin would be one of the limiting factors. But we've a long way to go before the performance of this team and the, the players around him are all world class. I don't see him as a limiting factor. There, obviously, when we're in possession and we're moving forward, uh, there are times where he, he's not the perfect player to receive the ball or be on the ball in midfield. But right now, that for me, that's very much balanced by the fact, even when we have a lot of possession, even in those games that are not supposed to be suited to Francis Coquelin, what he allows other players to do is to go forward. You talked about the fullbacks pushing forward. Well, in the days of Mikel Arteta, one of the problems was when the ball suddenly started coming back the other way, he couldn't cover the center and both wings. Now, no the, the argument in the Grantland article physically do it. Right. The, the argument in the Grantland article was that space you're talking about is a flaw in the system, not a flaw in the player covering. And that the argument that Francis Coughlin is better than Arteta because he can cover that space is incorrect because no one can cover that space. And the games where Coughlin shines are the games where we're on the back foot and he can do what he does best, shield and tackle. Here's what I'd say against that, though. Obviously, Wenger's gambling, and we all know he's a gambler. So if your business is all about – if you're Van Gaal and you just hate a loss of control, you hate anybody countering against you, that's one thing. But Wenger is – he's turned the dial so that we're a more attacking team, so the fullbacks do pish, pish, uh, sorry, piss and pish, do push forward – 
and the trade-off is we're supposed to get more goals from it. You know, uh, pretty much everything leads back. All our problems. What was that saying I used to know? We have no problems at the moment that wouldn't be solved by more goals. And this <laughs> is one of those problems that wouldn't would be solved by more goals. We wouldn't be worried about the fact that occasionally we concede a counter-attacking goal if we were getting reward down the other end. And Francis Coquelin allows us to play. Grantland may not like our vision for football, but Grantland can go and get his own team and put his own team together and develop his own system because this is how Wenger has liked to play for forever now. This do, do, are, have we, okay, but has it worked? So, so let, me, let me ask you this. Let's assume for a minute <clears throat> that we don't get anyone in the window, that we can't find that striker everyone's crying out for. Is there an argument that we've seen what this system can do and what it can deliver for us in terms of goals and points, and the fact remains that we are not potent enough, whether it's because we don't have a center forward who is is uh, talented, talented is the wrong word, but clinical enough, or whatever the reason, let me ask you, should we rip up the system and try using the personnel we have differently? Alexis Sanchez is a support striker for Chile. He was for Udinese. He looked fantastic that way. Aaron Ramsey is a central midfielder who makes runs past Olivier Giroud. That's when he excels. He's obviously not a winger, so we overload everything left. There's a tremendous imbalance there. We do not have a possession-oriented defensive midfielder. I mean, is it time to consider a totally unique formation, a different lineup? I'll, I'll give you this. Fred Thurbin at RLF86 on Twitter says, away from home, should we play Ramsey, Arteta, Oxlade, Chamberlain, uh, Alexis, Walcott? So we counter quickly. Um, and then we had another question about formation saying, uh, should we play? Where is it? I know it's here. I know it's here. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's not coming. It's coming. Come on. Come. Where is it? It's saying about Theo Walcott, Knox. And uh, there we go. Christopher Terrazas at CT. Uh, 102511, which presumably is his bank account number for those of you who want to hack it. Should we try a front three of Ox, Theo, and Alexis? We got a lot of questions like that. Would you keep the you system go, and change the personnel, or would you change the system entirely? Uh, well, I certainly, it's too late. I mean, the season's starting. Uh, would I want to if we had a full preseason to, to, to get our heads around it and to kind of play a different way? There's plenty of flexibility built into this system. If we don't sign a new striker, if this is the personnel we're looking at, there's a reason Wenger is saying, I was on the sales call the other day where we got our sales team together and the, you know, the sales director is asking the Eastern region what, he think, what they think they'll bring in for this quarter and what you know the, the central region, blah, blah, blah. It's called a cadence call. So I just picture Wenger doing this cadence call with his, uh, his attacking six and saying to Ozil, Ozil, what can I count on you for this year? I need 10 goals out of you. Can you bring me 10 goals? Looking at Ramsey, Ramsey, can you bring me 14 goals? Giroud, can you bring us, you had half a just over half a season last year, you brought in 14 or 15 goals, can you bring that? Theo, you, 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 know, you didn't get many games last year, he hasn't had many this year either, but you know, if, if you're Starting 20 games, can you get me 15 goals? That's where, that's where the goals need to come from. And if you look at the Liverpool game, um, we created enough going forward. Uh, what I really want to say about the Liverpool game is if you panned out the gold nuggets uh, from the sand, 
there was a lot of good play in there when we weren't being shit. And the answer is more players. You mentioned Alexis. You know, I'll be happy when Giroud's playing great stuff and banging in goals, and I'll be happy when Theo's starting in the middle uh, or Alexis is starting in the middle. I don't really mind which, and the two of them rotate from the left wing to centre, etc., as they did against uh, Aston Villa in the final when we got four goals. And I know Aston Villa stood off a little bit and gave us a little space, and maybe we had extra half a, half a yard from time to time that we wouldn't get in many Premier League games. But the answer, if we don't get a new striker, is to is about execution. It's not about change in formation necessarily. Um, right. Right. It's um, about execution. It's about other players stepping up. And I get what you're saying, but is it fair to just say, hey, we need more goals from guys who don't score goals? I mean, Mesut Ozil does not look like he has more goals in him to me. Santi Cazorla cannot shoot <laughs> uh, unless it's from a, a, set, a set piece. Um, can you reasonably just say we need more goals without making – actively making changes to either how you're set up or who you're using? Well, um, it's kind of the best I've got is is one answer. Um, you can certainly get more goals out of Danny Welbeck. You can get them out of Oxley Chamberlain. Uh, you can get them out of Theo. Cause but then those guys have to play. Time. I mean, as it stands, none of those guys are, start, are starters for us. I mean, doesn't it mean changing the system? Like, j- just for example. You couldn't get we... them. But, yeah, Go ahead, okay, sorry. Okay. Go, no, after you. You can get them out of Ramsey. You can get them out of Alexis. You won't get maybe more goals out of Alexis, but you get more than you're getting out of him right now. Um, Giroud can warm up a little bit. You can get more goals out of Ozil, though. It's interesting. He gave a little interview on that saying, the bosses told me to score more goals, and I really ought to be more greedy, and I'm going to be. And then the last paragraph is, but I really like other people shining and it's not really me and really you got to stick to your game and I'm going to stick to my game. So, yeah, and by the way, the one thing I think we have seen from him, not necessarily scoring more goals, obviously, but we've seen him making more runs, which is yeah. good. Um, so, because to me, look, you could say, screw this. We we don't look potent enough. We're not getting goals where we need them. We're not getting the most out of our players. I'm going to play Ox on the right, Theo on the left. I'm going to play you know, Alexis Sanchez behind Ozil potentially, and then use him as a support striker like he does for Chile or play Theo up front, Alexis behind him. You you know, you could play a diamond. There's all different kinds of things you can do. Um, You know, obviously I'm not a tactical expert by any means, but it just seems to me like people have kind of figured us out a little. It's easier to hold us at at bay. Um, And and I, I worry that with the personnel we have, Ultimately, there aren't enough goals in us to win a title. And so forget mental strength and defensive stability and you know having the medal to win a title. We just don't score enough goals, which for an Arsene Wenger side is a big worry. Um, you know, I think everybody I obviously— say I share that frustration and I share mm-hmm. that worry. But I think if there is an answer, it's about execution— I mean, we scored a goal yesterday. We probably sh- should have scored one or two more had Alexis been a bit sharper. Had, um, you but at know, the end of got... the day, it's your center forward that has the primary responsibility for getting you 25 to 30 goals. The chances that fell to him or should have fallen to him yesterday, he didn't convert. I mean, not I don't in like... our system, though. 
Okay, I mean, so, that's, so that's where I got to disagree with you. Yeah, I just okay. look, Robin Van Persie. I know I'm interrupting you a lot, Paul. Sorry, I'll stop in a second. But Robin Van no, Persie would drop deep, collect the ball, work as a pivot. But at the end of the day, he still took the responsibility to score 25, 30 goals and be the the main goal scorer in our system. Um, you know, I think you could say Olivier Giroud's great at defensive set pieces, or Olivier Giroud is a fulcrum around which the the attack pivots. That's great. He still has to make some runs, move, use his physical strength, and finish, and he and he's not doing that. I mean, in your opinion, well, there, there are ahead. two types of teams, Elliot. There are teams who have a world class finisher, and Robin van Persie was world class for three or four years, and there are teams who don't. And those do they win titles? Well, <laughs> let me put it another way: teams who have them don't sell them. So. What you're looking at is, if you don't have one, what are you going to do? But so that, that was where what we're question. going to do is we're going to share the gold. We don't have a choice. It's right. I, I see where you're coming from. Would I want Robin Van Persie playing for us three or four years ago, forgetting all the history? Yes. Would I want Aguero? Yes. But I can't have them. So I have one other choice, as does Wenger. Phone up my guys, get a commitment to what they're going to do for the next quarter in sales, and hold them to it. These guys have to set up, set up, uh, step up, and score 10 or 15 goals, or you're right, we're screwed. Right. Okay. But so that that was the crux of my question: is if we're not all right. So real quick, I'll 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 just make this point very very quickly because I've interrupted you endlessly. Um, I love it. Kind of my thing. But that was what I was saying. If we're not going to get that striker, and I acknowledge that there may not be a striker good enough worth spending the money to bring him in, but if we're not is it incumbent upon Arsene Wenger to say, I'm not getting the guy I can play up front who's got 30 goals in him. So I have to reshuffle this pack and use my players differently in an effort to coax more goals out of them. Get Ramsey back through the middle where he's probably more potent. I know he doesn't stay on the right, but give that balance back. Find a way to get Ox in the team who looks like he can create those goals. Move Alexis more into a position where he can be devastating like he is you know, for Chile. I'm not saying those are necessarily the answers, but does he have to do that? L let me just ask you quickly, Gunner Faithful on I, Twitter. I Brian... agree in one sense, mm -hmm. um, and I'll let you go on. I think he has to make some small tweaks. Uh, I don't say keep it the same way it is. I would trial and error of the front three or four. I would make some of the tweaks you're talking about and see what works because we're not where we need to be. And none of us, I don't think anybody knows quite the right combination yet. They all have their pluses and minuses. Mm -hmm. You got to make some tweaks, a bit of trial and error, and find something that unlocks our full potential. And I don't think Cockerland's the problem. We played good football with him. We played actually played good football against Liverpool in in spurts uh, just the other day. None of our our problems were because of Cockerland. We played really good football about against Crystal Palace with him on the field too. I don't think Cockerland's the issue. I don't think we I don't think we can make change, major changes, but we can make minor tweaks with the personnel we have, and you know find the three or four uh, front players that yeah once we jiggle the or shuffle the pack a little bit, um, unlock some goals for us. I I certainly agree with minor tweaks. Well, let me ask this then, uh, Benjamin, or let Benjamin ask this. Ben Van Seramos on Twitter says, does it make more sense both tactically and considering psychology of both forwards to start Walcott and bring on Olivier Giroud? 
Is Giroud more suited based on the way we're playing right now to be the bench option to change it? And Theo more suited to be the, the starter when the game might be a little more open? Well, you know my answer on that, which is yes. <laughs> yes. And why he, I, I can see why he didn't start against Liverpool, given that we changed other things and we'd, we'd reshuffled the deck at the back and maybe we didn't want, but that was a game from an attacking standpoint where uh, we could have really done with Walcott tearing them a new one down the middle for the first 70 minutes. And then if we needed brought on Giro in the last 20 minutes, we don't seem to have a plan to use Walcott when we, we've brought him on twice now with 20 minutes to go and done nothing uh, with him. We, we're still banging in crosses like Giro is there. We're not putting in, in through balls or, or meeting his runs. So people are getting frustrated with Walcott. I'm getting frustrated with him. He's kind of a non-entity in those last 20 minutes. If we, it's like we don't have a kind of a, you know, from a, a baseball standpoint, the the bullpen where you have the, your closers. We don't. If we're going to use them as a closer, you need a plan for it, and we don't seem to have that. So I, I'd absolutely. My tendency for now would be trial and error to see if, because we, if you look back over our last nine, ten or game or so games where Walcott started, albeit over two or three seasons because of injuries, we pretty much won all of them. So maybe that was just who we were playing and good luck. But right now I have a strong tendency to want to see what happens when we start with Walcott. We won the community shield with him against Chelsea. Okay, it's the community shield. And he didn't play brilliantly, but we got a goal out of it. Um, so... I don't, in a sense, I don't see what there is to lose at this stage. I mean, there is something to lose. You could start playing worse and shit and lose morale, but... Um, I don't know that I, the morale with Giroud up front is so high that the players would be disappointed to see Arsene try something different. Um, yeah, I, except I, I don't think it's that low either. I, mean, I, I didn't mean it that wise, way. The last two g games, there's stuff in there to take heart from. So I know you weren't being going too far the other way. Uh, but, you know, it is that bounce. Right now, I'd give it a shot. Uh, certainly against Newcastle, if that goes well, you're on to the next game. And then it's Walcott's to lose for a little while. I, I'd start him two out of three games up front. That's my that's how I feel about it right now. It's just strange with Walcott because he's been a phenomenal right winger in his career. He now doesn't even look an option at that position. Oxlade Chamberlain is the go-to guy if Ramsey isn't there and Theo's just not considered. And it seems like his only position now is center forward. And I don't know if he works as, as the one center forward. I think he could play in a two, but I don't know if he can play as the lone center forward. Um, Real quick, I, we're going to wrap up because, because it's just, this is, you know, heartbreaking doing this all over again after recording it with James yesterday. But um, Brian Gunner faithful on Twitter asks, in your opinion, is Arsenal done in this window? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, do, do you think? Do you think someone will come in? I mean, look, we we know the manager is looking for a striker. I think whether Benzema is someone we genuinely chased or not is another issue. But I mean, will I think we, we, we agree he's player, looking for. Him. Yeah, will we sign a big player or at least a highly consequential player as opposed to one for the future or kind of? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's fifty-fifty. If I had to say, will we sign somebody? Jesus, it's, fuck, I don't know. I'd go with, yeah, maybe. I there you know. have it, everybody. That is as definitive an answer as you will get. Jesus, fuck, maybe, yeah, we will get a striker <laughs> in the window. Um, if it's all right with you, Paul, we've uh, 
we've tried we've we've tried to do our best with this, but I think we can probably leave it there, wouldn't you say? We flogged this horse, then we resuscitated it, we, we gave it electro shock treatment to get it back on its feet, and now we flogged it a second yeah. time. Yeah, you, know, you know what? I do want to ask you this just really quickly because we we did cover this on the pod that no one's ever gonna hear, and I, I do think it's worth asking. Do you think the manager will change the lineup at Newcastle? And if so, where do you think he'll change it? Uh Mainly Walcott. I think Perro come back by the sounds of it. Um, outside of that, if he was looking for an excuse to bring Debushi in, I guess he has one. But I think he'll keep it the same uh, with Walcott in through the middle. And Ramsey's done enough good stuff with his overloading to the left from an attacking option standpoint. I think he's. I think if you look at what Ramsey did. He's been very effective. So I think he keeps everything mostly the same and hopefully brings in Walcott. Interesting. I I tend to go the other direction. I think he's going to make not wholesale changes, but major changes. I think if Murtisacker's back, it'll be obviously Gabriel and Murtisacker through the middle. Um, I think there is a solid chance that he'll reshuffle it, um, bring Oxlade-Chamberlain in, maybe even try uh, Ramsey and Cazorla in midfield. Um, I think Walcott's in line for a start. I think Giroud is definitely not going to start. Um, I don't know. Ballsy prediction. What? Ballsy prediction. Yeah, I I think he's going to change it big time, and I I think he has to. I just get the sense that something about the system isn't right, and I'm not tactically astute enough to point specifically to where it is. Um, We cannot sit deep and soak up pressure and counter it's not the way the team is built. We don't look best doing that. We got a few results last season doing it, but I don't think it's how Arson wants to play. And mm-hmm. I don't know that the way he's setting us up is working in terms of trying to possess and press. So it'll be interesting to see if he does make changes. We also have a North London Derby in the Capital One Cup, which I actually think is a good thing. A way to Spurs, it's a meaningful game, but it's not a game we care. I mean, you always care about a North London Derby, but it's not make or break your season. But I think right now we actually need more games because we're still figuring it out. And I think more consequential games right now where we can potentially figure out our system and get players into form will only help. Um, Whereas if that had been a lower division team at home, we would have seen a lot of youth players and reserves, which really, other than a little rest, doesn't help this team hit stride. So maybe that can actually work to our favor. Um, We will be back. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I like it. Got some mileage. By the way, for our British listeners, the word Elliot was saying there was astute. Astute? No, astute. Astute. You're saying astute. Yeah, astute. Yeah. Astute. No, I'm saying astute, as in A space S-T-O-O-T. Astute, which is um, a (laughs) small... Uh, wooden ship Rodent. you put in a bottle. W- w- woodland creature. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this um, has turned into R's cast extra or something. Yeah, would you, would you rather be a rodent or <laughs> uh, wear a Spurs jersey for a year? Um, okay, so we'll leave it there. And I, thanks for bearing with us, everyone. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm the one who screwed up the recording the first time, but we're going to be back after Newcastle uh, and we might even record that one. Hopefully we get back on track. I think we need to. If you could leave a review of the podcast, not necessarily because of this pod, but because of the general great content that Paul and James provide for listeners, uh, please do. We'd love to hear it. 
And um, I think what we'll do is we'll continue periodically throughout the season to bring on a special guest who will do a one-on-one interview, but we're going to try to keep it to Paul and James here because uh, they do such a fantastic job and it's cohesive content when we record it. Um, Paul is on Twitter at pausing in my pants. Paul, thanks for, for coming on and bailing me out and, and James. All right, but you owe me, you owe me. How about this? I'll give you three points at the weekend. Okay, and my name is Elliot Smith. You should block me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. Uh, until Newcastle, take care, everybody. We've got a Champions League draw coming up. I think that's our best shot at a trophy this season. So we'll discuss all that and more at the weekend. Until then, cheers. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.